the fact is, is that the skateboarding landscape is changing around us and we have no control over it. We have no control over the Olympics. We have no control over the remaster of Tony Hawk's you know, pro skater one and two, we have no control over Supreme, um, and how, how much it's blown up or when the tide is going to turn and people start thinking skateboarding is totally, totally fucking stupid. Like we have no control over that, but what we can say is like to know what we like, to be able to point to what we like gives us an idea, a a better idea about who we are. What's up, skaters? Welcome back to Vent City. This is episode 27. I am sure of it. My name is Kyle Beachy, and I am here tonight with Ted Schmitz, who's in Laser Zone in Phoenix, Kristen Ebeling, who is in Seattle. Namaste. And then Ted Barrow, who you, who you know from such apps as Instagram. But not Twitter. Uh, hello, everyone. How are we all doing tonight? Are we making it through? Are we doing all right? Are we feeling um, remotely human right now? Kristen, are you being smoked smoked out? <laughs> yes. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's the status? Yeah, What's Seattle like right now? I have been filming with my friend Shane and going out and... Starting with my like N95 mask on, but at a certain point you kind of have to take it off because it's like it's hard to breathe no matter what. Um, And then just breathing in the smoky air, which I don't recommend. And then feeling like I got to hack up a lung like later. Um, So that's been pretty rough. Definitely been spending a lot of time inside. Um, But also because I recently uh, injured a ligament in my ankle. It's like inflamed. Um, So, yeah, I'm just kind of taking care of that right now. So. Yeah, do you, keeping it mellow. Do you have a clear sort of path toward how to improve that? Have you found like the way toward healing or are you st- still sort of just suffering and trying to trying to figure it out? Um, well, I'd say I went through the first week of confusion because I fell and then it didn't really hurt for a few days. <laughs> and then it started it just progressively got worse. And then I was like, oh, shoot, that time that I fell, maybe I did actually hurt my ankle. Mm. Um, So, yeah, it's just been kind of deteriorating. So I would say today I kind of turned the corner from confusion to, I had a bunch of friends reach out to me actually through Instagram and Twitter and give me some advice. And other skaters have had tendonitis in the spot where I'm having some pain on the in, my inside ankle. So yeah, I'm, I'm stoked. Some people sent me some exercises. Some people just told me what their recovery was like with it. And so, yeah, now I'm like a fish, you know, when you're like, I don't know if you ever experienced this, you don't know if you're actually hurt. Yeah. And so you kind of are like, does this hurt? Does this hurt? And you like yeah. do a kickflip and you're like, well, if the kickflip doesn't hurt and then you like do a heel flip and you're like, ah, <laughs> God, that hurt really bad. It's like this whole thing where you like don't know. Cause like, I feel like all of us have sort of a higher tolerance for pain in some respect. <laughs> and so I did that for about a week, basically. <laughs> cool. I figured. <laughs> no, um, <laughs> no, no argument, Ted. Sure. <laughs> no argument. You're always looking like a damn volleyball player with your knee wraps. <laughs> but, uh. Yeah, I went through a week of like confusion, not knowing if I'm hurt or am I just being a baby, went through all that toxicity. And then finally, I'm like, okay, I've signed up for this. I am hurt. I am not skateboarding for at least a week. I'm going to be icing, elevating, rubbing balm, and profusely like Googling things about my ankle. Hell yeah. And Uh, uh, Walker Ryan has a 
uh, is now in the podcast game with old friends and he can help with some PT for some people out there who like to get their PT through their ears. I couldn't help but notice that you keep hollering Walker Ryan, who, I mean, admittedly a nice guy, but you say nothing of Kyle Brown, the actual trained like medical professional who's in charge of all of that. I live- so isn't Walker Ryan just sort of the pretty face of that that whole endeavor? Okay. I need to He's the proof. I think that it I works. think it's pretty obvious that anytime there's sort of like a talent uh who is just kind of the 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 face and the voice and the uh-huh. presenter of a product and then there is a Kyle who's doing the legwork and you know mm. kind of has the intelligence and the brain power and the actual credentials. Uh, I'm just going to defer to the face. I'm going to defer to the <laughs> voice. I just find that that person really understands me in a way that the Kyles of the world just, they just really can't. Well, on that note, and speaking of beautiful faces, Ted Barrow, uh, you yourself are back from injury. Yeah. Uh, how's it feel? How's your body? You're, you're also a full year older than you were. So you are now 44. Yeah. 44. Um, I know, no. Um, I don't know. It doesn't feel great. I will say, <laughs> I, I, uh, <clears throat> I guess two months ago now, I popped my f- toe out on my left foot on my oh, switch God. pushing switch backside pushing foot, as we call it, and um, <laughs> and that and that fucked me up. I didn't skate for like six weeks, and then I was just starting to get back. And I was probably doing some like weird adjustment and straining of my whole left side, which is like unequivocally uh, fucked and will never unfuckify until I die. And and then <laughs> I was like pushing switch finally, and I just heard this popping sound in my calf. Has that ever happened to y'all? Like oh, a, like Jesus. a no. Oh, it was insane. I've had yeah. weird pops happen. I've had it in the knee. and I was just oh that sounds that sounds awful too. Oh And yeah. I was just like ah. And I couldn't move my foot. I was just like, okay, this thing's toast. Like, I can't actually, like, like raise my foot. Um, I'm Mike Mo. Yeah. You know? I mean, I'm a, mm. for other reasons. You yeah. crashed, another you crashed thing, a golf cart uh, at your spot. Another thing that yeah. I share with Mike Mo. <laughs> your and, career uh, was over I at couldn't 24. even, <laughs> truly. I couldn't even, um, I couldn't even walk home. Like, it, it was so gnarly. And I, and the, I had this whole list of 44 tri- different tricks I was going to do for my 44th birthday because I'm narcissistic like that. And I just fucking couldn't do it. Stayed off it for about 10 days and today skated for the first time. And kind of had a and nice time. And you looked time. great oh. out there. Well, you was, did. You know, I, was, I was in a comf- comfortable zone. I was skating a foot-high tiny ledge <laughs> uh, going Mach Zero doing tricks that I've done for 30 years. So I was in my happy place. <laughs> so that was the opposite of Kristen's situation. So you knew immediately that you were injured and and probably feared that the injury it was going to be like perhaps more significant than it ended up being, right? It sounds like you actually got out there fairly quickly given the yeah. sort of terror that you must have felt there. Yeah, 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 yeah. I also, unlike Kristen, didn't have one of the most hilarious like slam videos, <laughs> <laughs> which I think we should like. If it hasn't been put on Instagram, we should put that on our yeah, on our thing when this releases. It's just like it's the fucking super charming. It's like it's like cute and terrifying and like so insane. Can I tell you a story? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I had that fall because like. All right, so I'm filming this video part. I'm like, okay, well, I need to like skate a rail, so I'm just gonna start skating every skate park rail. This was my theory. Okay, I'm just gonna go to the skate park, just board side the, the rails. So then yeah. I'm like, exactly. So the rails, I don't hesitate, right? What do I do? Hesitate on this rail. 
I, for those of you that have not seen the video, I did not get into the board side. I made it as far as a nose slide, <laughs> at which point I rolled my ankle on the rail and then yeah. proceeded to roll my ankle again on the ground. Oh. Um, but here's the thing is I fell and I was like, ow, that really hurt. Across the park, I heard this guy go, God, that was so scary to watch. And I immediately <sighs> got so pissed. I was oh, like, yeah. you motherfucker. <laughs> I'm scary to watch. I just like ran back up there and then I did it. You I did it after. <laughs> That's my story. Yeah, I did it. I love that. I yeah, love that. You do that. I love the idea of rage. Rage <laughs> as a Brian. sort of gateway to healing. Like you might have been down, but then your absolute fury at this motherfucker across the park <laughs> gets you back on the rail. Yeah. Uh, Ted Schmitz, how have you been, dude? Uh, good. It's actually been a while since we were on the since we've done a show. Terrible two weeks ago. I think everybody had a sad moment as skaters in the country as things got bit pretty bad and I felt pretty dark mm -hmm. for a while. And then I listened to a podcast about how there might be a second civil war. And I said, I'm going to turn off these types <laughs> of inputs. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and I skated with my friends, two of them at a time for the first time in six months. And I'm in a good spot, man. That's good. Yeah. There is some real sort of self self care unplugging. I feel like that's going around right now. I think all of us are certainly learning a little bit more about what is uh, manageable. Yeah. Um. And the pressure of like keeping up with, and you know, we we could unpack all the pressures of like moral sort of expectations where if you don't know what's going on, how can you fix it? Um. And then just the sort of like built in. Um, tradition of, well, it's better to know what's going on in the world. Like, that's just sort of what it means to be a good citizen and so on. Um, yeah. Kristen, how are you handling that? Are you, are you, are, what's your level of tuning in, tuning out right now? Yeah. I mean, I would, to be honest, I think it varies day to day, but I do always err on the, like, I want to know what's yeah. going on. Um, I also find it, I've been, uh, my friend Meg, Meg Bolger, just to give them full credit, uh, they let a, Zoom webinar for the community uh, maybe a week or two ago, and it was all about how do you relate to people you don't agree with, mm. and where can you find them, where can you meet them at some sort of human need that was not met, that is most likely reflected of where they're at, whether they're being defensive or, you know, whatever their response is, or dismissive or whatever. Um, how can you meet them where they're at and ask more questions and learn more versus like just writing them off, not interacting with them, not having a conversation with them. So that's been coming up with me for me a lot because I feel like I follow really diverse people. I think just through skateboarding in general, there's such a huge spectrum. I have some friends that are like, I can't believe you're skating without a mask to people that are, you know, maybe posted a black tile and they every other day they have a clip of them at the skate park, right? Like I follow such a large breadth of people that I think have some level of political awareness or activist in them. Um, and uh, yeah, I definitely think it's tricky to navigate. There's some days where I'm, I feel ashamed that I didn't tap in more. And then there's other days where I feel like I get so absorbed in it that I feel so negative and that comes out in my being and in my interaction with those that are closest to me. And that to me feels toxic and negative. So I'd say my best days are days where I've taken an action. I've learned something, but it hasn't gotten to the point where it's debilitated me to a way that I, I can't be my best self. So I'll just mm. say, leave it there. But I'm curious how y'all are doing with that. It sort of changed for me because I'm back in the classroom now. Um, and I like, I've always, 
I've always found being in a classroom and um, teaching writing in particular as um, whether this like bears itself out in terms of reality or not, it feels to me like I am having direct impact every time I talk um, to a young person who may have an unhealthy or uncomfortable relationship with language. Anything that I do to help these people express themselves in a truer and more authentic and more sort of um, loose and free and liberated way. Like, let's stop thinking about how language is this terrible, scary thing. And let's talk maybe more about how it's potentially like a way to express yourself. Anytime I do that, I feel, I feel like uh, my sort of like sense of purpose light, like start glowing. Um, and so for me being back, teaching, which, you know, I wasn't super looking forward to because I had the whole spring off, like being back in the classroom has filled me with like a sense of purpose that I feel like I sort of lacked or like direct access to doing small good things. Um, so that's been really good for me. Um, I know though that like there's been a very, I've been making a very real effort to kind of limit, you know, once or twice a day checking the news instead of every like 18 minutes or whatever. Um, yeah. And that's, that's just like basic. I, it, it was bringing me sorrow. It was bringing me despair and it was not the sort of sorrow or despair that leads to action and change and positive, um, positive motion. It was all just like beating me deeper and deeper into the sort of like pillow. Like I was just getting like pushed back into wherever I happened to be. Um, so yeah, it's a kind of combination of those, like, but constant monitoring, like constant checking, like, Hey, why, why do I feel the impulse right now to go on Twitter? And like, what is it? Is it because like, there's a conversation I'm curious about? Is it because I'm certain there's something hideous going on and I feel the need to like know what it is? Is it because I've like said something and I wonder if anyone's responded? Like what, <laughs> where is this coming from? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. So I don't know. Uh, trying to be healthy with it. Ted Barrow, how are you doing with that? Because I know you've, you've, you field it all. You you field more than anyone I know. Um, the sort of ugly comments from the peanut gallery. So uh, yeah. where Sir, are you, you at? You are a kook magnet. It's <laughs> <laughs> because we we can smell our own, and I I am the ultimate kook. Um, I don't know. I I've actually been really really happy, and it's because I've sort of accepted, for the time being, how um, winnowed down my life has become, and how grateful I am that I have access to like maybe the three or four things that I really love and everything else is kind of fall like necessarily fallen to the wayside. So I've been lucky enough over the last few weeks to really set in a schedule of like regular writing my dissertation. I wake up at 5 AM, make coffee, don't look at the news, don't open Instagram, write for two hours. Hell yeah. Two wow. hours or 40 or, or like, or it could be 45 minutes, but it's like at least 5 a.m. to 7 a.m. that I am just like only doing that. And, uh, and then I kind of have these like two hours of freedom where I can like eat breakfast with my mom and play cards and like, you know, walk the dog and, you know, but do whatever. And then I go to work. And, and when, when I started working again, I was really depressed because I was just like, oh my God, this, there goes all my time. And what am I doing? But I just sort of realized that all I really needed was two hours of solitude in the day, in the morning to kind of get everything else done, you know? Yeah. That was, that was interesting. So, um, I've been actually very, very happy and, but I have noticed there are times when, you know, 
the moment I'm done with my two hours, I'll like open up Instagram and see that all of London hates me. And <laughs> all right, yeah, you got you had you got you got you have beef currently with the entire city of London. Which yeah, is yeah, yeah, yeah. Impressive. Is weird. Yeah, I know. Um, and so. Will you say more about that? I have no oh, idea so what stupid. that is. Um, <laughs> what what an internet beef is, or what London is, or or, or like. Uh, I want to know the origins of your beef. Okay. Sir. Oh, yeah, I'm dead. Okay. Shit. Gosh, this is probably going to turn into a whole thing. But um, I have these. I've been doing these really meta reviews on my Instagram because you know I want them to be boring and tedious, and it's boring and tedious to me. And I did this one where I was like. It was six videos, and I was introducing. Um, I was like, for those of you that have just started following me, like this is how these things go. And I say, you know, like the the skater submits the video, and I let the material kind of dictate what I talk about. And then I sort of introduce the skater after like the third video, so like three minutes in, no one's watching. And I mentioned that I had once admired the skater, but I had heard a rumor that he was doing drugs now, so I was less interested. Um, and then. I got this like slew of like, actually not a slew, exactly four, but four people that don't like me who I'll never meet is a lot of people in my, <laughs> in my mind. <laughs> uh, could be considered a slew. Yeah. yeah. Like, you know, I, I, I got this like sort of slew of four people that were like, don't ever come to London. I'll fucking, I'll truck you in the head. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> like waste man. I had, um, you know, and I was just like, and I, you know, I engaged a little bit and then I pulled back and on my birthday, like this is, this is, here's a good story. On my birthday, I was working. The, the sun did not come out in San Francisco. It was, it was 12 noon and it was like this weird, dark brown orange in the sky. No was sun. that was that the day of the, September the, the GX 1000? Yeah, that was the later, yeah. like 11 a.m. Yeah, 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 yeah. day. Um, so that was my birthday and I was having a great birthday. Like my coworkers brought me cupcakes. Like I, I was a little depressed cause I was working, but I was just like, you know what? Fuck it. Like this is cool. And I was just so grateful for all of the people that it had my new kind of like group of friends. And I was having this conversation with one of my coworkers about just, I was just like, you know, he's asking me advice. I'm giving him advice, sounding like I'm wise. And then all of a sudden I noticed that one of these four London trolls is video chat trying to video chat me and <laughs> like i'm like i'm like you? Yeah, yeah i'm like hold, like i'm Instagram, like yeah yeah and i'm like hold on uh gustavo it's been a pleasure talking to you i'm just gonna step outside and grab this call with a complete <laughs> fucking stranger who i will, will literally never meet and i've and i've already blocked twice um and i answer the call and he's like Starts just taunting me. Oh, let's see your nostrils, mate. Your big old nostrils. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and I'm like, take a, put on your fucking video, motherfucker. Put your fucking video on. He's like, take your mask down, mate. I was like, I'm in a fucking pandemic. Fu like, I am screaming at my phone, pacing up and down Market Street like a fucking maniac. <laughs> Four, 44 years old. <laughs> and then I was like, and I do this for like five minutes. I'm just like the hip-hop rap battle hands like pointing like this and uh and then i was like this is so insane i don't know what the fuck i'm doing good day sir hang up <laughs> block and uh and that was humbling so i don't know you know like those stupid things happen i guess yeah so you cut the cord did you walk away from there feeling like you it's learned called the walk and block walk and block um <laughs> it's one of those things like you know i 
Okay, it's like sort of quitting drinking, which I've been experimenting with, like where you realize after like the first rush of, of being like, whoa, I have all these new superpowers, then like four months go by and you're like, but I'm still a shitty person. Like, you know, I can concentrate more, but I'm like, I'm still like careless. And I, it turns out it wasn't the alcohol. This is just life. Yeah. Did I, did I start out talking about how like excited and happy I was and now <laughs> ended well, on that morose note? But I mean, I think, <laughs> that was my fault. I think what you just gave us there is a really good example, like a really good mimesis of like what it means to be alive in the year 2020 right now. Like yeah. any, any path you're on, could very easily turn into a path that leads back to like, oh, this thing fucking bums me out. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so we, which, which, which I think gets us maybe to the heart of tonight's show, um, which I want to introduce a little bit about what we're what we're going to try to do here on this particular episode, the historic twenty seventh episode, um, which is when traditionally anything, any pro- TV program or podcast finds its its weird leg. So we're going to try Wasn't something maybe 42nd? a little. Wasn't it 42nd? That was the most monumental? Could be. We're, we're going to call it 27, though, tonight. And we're going to we're gonna try something. And we don't know how it's going to go. And that's sort of the point here. Um, reality itself is, is, is difficult for each of us to handle in unique ways. And what we're going to do tonight is try to imagine ourselves into um, somewhere else. Um, and the purpose of this or the, the sort of theory behind this partially comes from the fact that like, look, um, it's hard for us as a podcast to be timely. It's hard for us to talk every episode about what's going on in skateboarding um, that, you know, we've done that in the past and we certainly will continue doing that in the future. But um, there, there are other podcasts that are a little more uh, expedient in the way that they record an episode and put an episode out. Um, and so they can talk about the week's new release and they can talk about timely issues. Um, that Again, we, we can do that. We're just not quite as as good as that. We're, we're maybe not mostly skateboarding. We're about like partially skateboarding. Um, so, so given that, given that, and given that, given that event city has always been about trying to have a different conversation, trying to bring, uh, different, different structures and different contents of conversation into skateboarding or doing our best to facilitate that process. Um, we thought tonight what we might do is, um, imagine, um, should I cue the John Lennon song? No, God, Jesus, no, no. <laughs> unless, unless it's Rick Howard's perfect 360 flip is from it, Instant Karma. Are we talking about Instant Karma? Or are we talking about Imagine by Jude? Do you? There's a full missing decade from my life that you're talking to. All right. So uh, the impulse tonight is about imagining how, imagining based on what we have experienced as skateboarders. Each the four of us have had a different life as a skateboarder. And we know that a whole lot of skateboarding is about looking backwards, right? I mean, it's no, it is certainly not going to surprise anyone to hear that a great deal of what skateboarding is, is about nostalgia and talking about how things have been. Um, We're going to avoid that tonight. Um, there, There are risks to that kind of thinking, that kind of perspective of the rear view mirror. So if we're not going to talk about what's behind us, and we've just kind of made clear that we're not always super good at talking about where we're right in the middle of um, because of the sort of pragmatics of making this podcast and putting this podcast out, um, being timely is difficult. So if we're not talking about the past, we're not talking about the immediate present, why don't we... try thinking about the future. And the way that we're going to do this is to just draw from our own experiences. And we're going to think about what would be our ideal session. 
And when we talk about a skate session, we're talking specifically about the place where we do it, what kind of spot it is. We're talking about who is there with us, who is the crew, who are the homies who are at that spot with us. Then what is the sort of scene of the place where we are, right? Is it a, is it a city that has um, got a really central skateboard shop and is driven by a real core kind of group of singular people? Or is it more diverse and are there more kind of DIY things going on across the place? What is the scene like? And then the fourth kind of branch of this session we're going to talk about at the end, what kind of city are we in? And so the idea here is that maybe by imagining ourselves into our ideal notion of what a skate session could be like, we might stumble upon some ideas and some principles that A, will feel good to think about in the middle of where we find ourselves today, injured or partially injured or beset by um, the struggles of being alive in the year 2020, we might find some escape from that. And we also might find some things in that ideal version that we want to bring back and we might want to try working toward. We might want to try implementing. Um, and the kind of whole principle of this comes, A, from the fact that I'm teaching a class right now on non-realistic writing. And so I'm teaching science fiction and I'm teaching fantasy and we're talking about the kind of values of getting away from realism. Um, the second kind of inspiration for tonight uh, is a woman named uh, Adrienne Marie Brown, um, who is a, a, a writer, a duala, a, a black feminist, um, who has put out a book called Pleasure Activism and is uh, a, a book that I think probably everyone alive could benefit by reading. But she has this really wonderful um, kind of guiding principle about the value of imagination. I'm just going to read a very short quote here. She says, I believe that all organizing is science fiction, that we are shaping the future we long for and have not yet experienced. I believe that we are in an imagination battle and almost everything about how we orient toward our bodies is shaped by fearful imaginations. Imaginations that fear blackness, brownness, fatness, queerness, disability, difference. Our radical imagination is a tool for decolonization, for reclaiming our right to shape our lived reality. Um, so with that in mind, what I want to do is bring a little bit of that spirit into our um, particular field, which is skateboarding. Um, and, and so if, if, if my intrepid homies here on the podcast are down for it, we're going to try to imagine our way and, and kind of talk through what ideal sessions might look like for us. So Chris and Ted, Ted, are we down? Are we going to do this? Let's do this. Very right. down. Let's do it. Right. I have a so, word doc in everything. Damn. Um, okay. So we're, we're talking about the ideal session here. We're, we're taking what we've loved and we're imagining it into something new. So I'm going to ask you some questions. I'm going to hear what you have to say. We're going to have our discussion. And then if it feels like a thing to push on, I'm going to take the liberty tonight to push on it and ask you some further questions. Um, so with that in mind, let's start with the first element of what makes a session, which is the spot. And I remember I, there was a point on Twitter a while ago where I asked people to talk about their their um, ideal spot. And I, I remember being like blown away by thinking like, oh, God, I don't want to skate at what you're talking about at all. Um, so I'm very curious to hear what for the three of you stands as your kind of idealized notion of a spot. Um, which of you wants to go first? I'll go from the word doc. 
do it. Pull it up. Um, Ted Schmitz, tell us what to you is an ideal spot. Are we talking ledges? Are we talking banks? Are we talking weird wedge-shaped things in Arizona? What's your what's ideal? Yeah, this is um because I don't I'm not a consistent man. There is two perfect spots. It's kind of like quantum, right? There's there's parallel universes where one of them is making me happy and I can go through either of those. One of them is very simply a anywhere between 50 and 500 foot wide mini ramp, no extensions, four feet tall, no extensions, no kinks, no hips, ample flat no bottom. No bold corners? <laughs> what's, well, what's the, the coping? bold corners what's, have, you know, that, no, that nice no bull nose. That, 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 you know, you got, you got the six inch bull nose coming out the top with a with No, a but mat. for real, for real, what's the coping like? Is it metal coping? Is it pool coping? Is it some weird hybrid of like concrete yeah, circular coping? You know, ideally it would be that kind of like kind of fake bull nose that they make at like skate parks, you know, that is yeah. probably around the combi, but I'll never step foot in that fucking place because it looks like yeah. hell on earth. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, but it's yeah, uh-huh. but but the coping at least is is really nice because it has the same kind of angle as how metal coping is, but the grind just feels a little nicer because you get the click every you know like uh, foot. I, okay. How are pool tiles measured? Who cares? So a four <laughs> foot, um, fairly mellow transition, or yeah, are we like talking seven sort foot of transition? Okay, probably somewhere around there. And yeah, it it, it has to have some kick at the top though. I actually like them. Eh, maybe six foot transition. I'd have to think about it. But yeah, I I like him to be able to almost smith grind, you know? Yeah. Okay. Got a smith. Yeah. Yeah. Gotta it's got to be steep enough to or it's smith. A bank. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. 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 I like your rail to be able to touch, you know? So it, if it has a, a quick little, you know. All right. So this, this almost, it like resists any sort of questioning, right? Aside from the specifics of the ramp, there's no, there's no way I'm going to ask you to defend a huge, comfortable, mini ramp, right? Like I'm not going to, we're we're not going to put you on trial for that. What's your other ideal spot in the other universe? Yeah. So the other ideal spot is, do you guys remember the line where Brent Ashley does, um, I can't remember. He does a manual trick and then he, he ends up doing a nose manual on a kind of banked rock. He also does an amazing nollie flip in this line. And then he just ollies and rides down near the water in Portland. It's like kind of under a bridge. Okay. There's there's a manual pad there that's slightly banked, kind of like manual pads that are slightly banked. And there's an up ledge. I should just share the line. I don't know if I can do that. Well, so let, let me, let me, I, I do want to put this a little bit on trial because we're talking about a mani pad, a mani pad. We're yeah. talking about a ledge. We're talking about the, you mentioned the fact that it's on a river. So there's some, there's some element of scenery here that's important to you in terms of this, this ideal spot. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so that's half of the spot. It has that, it has the, the manual pad needs to be banked a little bit. Cause I, okay. I think we all have a hard time kind of keeping the speed across the flat manis. Uh-huh. Uh, but instead of that shitty rock that he skates, just just a nice twelve foot tall flat ledge that has twelve foot tall. Twelve <laughs> foot tall. <laughs> yeah, it's a fucking basketball hoop. I can't keep measurement straight. We get it. You work at Thrasher. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. So a twelve inch a twelve inch ledge. A twelve inch ledge. You know that's that's comfortably long and and some type of like steep bank wall ride situation, like a little bank to wall. And and that needs to be not next to the Portland water, not next to whatever the fuck that is, the Willamette or 
you know, uh-huh. whatever. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, the Portland River in my house, there would be that thing that we all saw in Copenhagen, which is like a, like the front half of a boat just sitting in a nice kind of yeah. sectioned area of the river that's clean so enough to swim in. in. Yeah. So that so that there's day long skate session ability, and then you can you can enjoy you know kind of the God's designed world for feeling good, which is great. Cold water, sunshine, you know, and that's this where I'm great. at. No, this is great. This is a great start. Um, and and rather than push too hard on that, what I want to do is hear some other ones and see what we have in common here and see if we can find some sort of um, map toward the perfect spot. Chris and Evelyn, can you step in here and tell us a little bit about what your ideal spot looks like? Is it like Ted's? Yes. Is it different? Please. It is not like that. <laughs> it's a six foot um, ramp. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Pool coping extension. Enough deck space for a punk rock band. Um, no. Uh, first things first, asphalt ground. That is slightly Ooh. oily. Mm, like yeah. an a smooth enough. It's basically the only ground I can like comfortably tray flip on and I just feel cool as hell when I do it. So Asphalt ground, that's like smooth. No rocks exist. Um, there's curbs and there's a couple different types of curbs. It's like a curb garden. Like there's some rounded curbs that are fun to like blunt. There's um, curbs that are more square that are easier to like kind of feeble and crooked grind. And then there's ones like my rainbow curb outside my house that have like an angle to them, which just feel so good just to like front side slappy mm-hmm. for like super long. You can just hold them really long. Um, and yeah, it's part of it's covered for like shade and or like yeah. rain potential. Um, yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. But I would say generally my spot vision would be kind of similar to like, again, going back to Copenhagen, there's areas of Copenhagen where there's like a spot and then you can go down the pathway and there's like another spot yeah. and go down the pathway and there's like another spot. So there's kind of like a couple different unique spots that have maybe one or two style features to them. Like, I don't know, there's one spot in Copenhagen where it's like kind of quarter pipey. It's like this basketball court that has these quarter pipes around it. And then you go right. down the pathway a little bit and it's just this huge flat ground area with like right. a couple ledges. Yeah. So something something along those lines. And but my first spot, my warm-up spot would be the flat ground with the curbs for sure. Okay. Yeah. So this is this is this is interesting, right? Because we're talking now about like proximity to other spots, right? Which I think is fully fair game for this question of the best spot, right? The the ideal spot might have a slightly lesser spot that's weirder and harder two blocks away and between you is like a great iced coffee place. Yeah. Right. Um, And it seems to me that it, 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 am I right in saying, Kristen, like we all know about uh, Leo Valls and, and Bordeaux and the sort of work that he's done there yeah. to like make that city itself super skatable. Am I right in saying that Seattle has made efforts toward making these sort of like node based, like a kind of path of skate spots? Like is, is that something they're still doing? We don't have like pathways interconnecting them mm-hmm. yet, um, but there's basically skate parks, which are kind of like, I don't know, like 20 to 20,000 plus square feet. And then there's skate spots Mm -hmm. that I think are like 
10,000 to 20,000 square feet areas, or I could be getting the square footage wrong, but the idea is it's like slightly smaller. And then there's skate dots, which are basically like spots. So like right. in Seattle, there's like a pea patch that they designed this ledge that also doubles as a bench. And then at a basketball court, they have like, basically they've created benches for players to sit on, but they also have angle iron in them and it's a skate spot. Mm -hmm. um, down in Tacoma, they built this manual pad ledge right on the water in this like dog park by the water area. So like they've definitely built like sanctioned spots in a way. Let me ask you this now back to your own ideal spot. Is it in the middle of, is it a, a residential neighborhood? Is it a business like park? Are we in the middle of a city? Are we out in the country? Where Where is this spot when you imagine it? I guess urban, like an urban environment, because that's just kind of all I know. Yeah. And that would lend itself to having a lot of people. If I said it was rural, it wouldn't like, not as realistic, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I guess, fuck it, I can do whatever I want here. You can. No, you can do whatever <laughs> you guess, want. I guess it's urban, but it's not, it doesn't feel polluted. People arrived on bike or public Good. transportation. There's no cars. Um, there's something, it's just kind of reminiscent of New York. Like all the time I've spent in New York, I just, I just remember being kind of sweaty and greasy and just skating everywhere through mm -hmm. the streets. It's flat, you know, there's bodegas everywhere. Like, um, everything just feels so in reach and on your board. Like that's the pace of your life. It's not like Seattle. The bigger bummer is that like our public transportation is pretty, pretty, um, not, a, it could be better. It could be yeah. better. And, yeah. you know, we rely on cars a lot. Okay. So in my fantasy skate park or skate spot scenario, yeah. Okay. No cars, no like major pollution. It's L urban, but not like gross, and grimy. Great. Let me ask you one more question and then I'm going to move on to Ted B. And then I'm going to ask all of you a bunch of questions. How is it totally acceptable? Like, can you skate there all day without ever being troubled? Or is there an element of illicitness to the spot? Like, do you ever, like, is it important for you to feel like you're getting away with something at this spot? Or is the fact that it's totally without any sort of security or police presence, you're not bumming anyone out, is that kind of the goal? Do you want it to be totally allowed or slightly illicit? Um, I would say totally allowed, but I'm going to add a spin to it and say that there's other elements. I don't know exactly what they are, but I do think it's cool when you interact with the public in a different way and people maybe watch or there's like a dog park or there's like a basketball court nearby. So there's like, I like the idea of other non-skateboarder folks being a part of the scene and that creates a, a dynam dynamic feel. Like a basketball could come out and get in your way and you go, ha ha, and you throw it back, you know, or a tennis ball or something like that, right? Or a dog, dogs are cool to be there. Like it creates a space where it's not just skateboarders. Um, right. Yeah, because I think it's more family friendly that way. It's more diverse. It's, I don't know, it adds an element of spice that doesn't necessarily get in your way, but you kind of have to interact with the public, which is rem more reminiscent of street skating, yeah. but not no, not the stressful part of like rent to cops and security and police. Right. So we're talking maybe something similar too, and I mean we're going to end up just blowing all of our smoke all the way up Copenhagen's asshole here. But like the They've fact is, is that so much work in in Copenhagen, you know, publicly, it's you're 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 in this sort of in-between zone. You're doing something that everyone knows is sort of like different from riding a bike or walking around and sitting and talking with your friends in this public space, but not necessarily wrong. It's not necessarily yeah. bad what you're doing, but it's definitely like you're doing this loud thing. Okay. Um, okay, good. I want to get Ted Barrow in here. What's your spot look like compared to skate park on the river Ted 
or um, expansive, beautiful, curb-driven spot uh, not too far from other spots um, that everyone biked to Chris and Evelyn. And why is it a ledge against a wall? <laughs> <laughs> no, Ted, uh, yeah. seriously, okay. I, like anything gets... at all, what is it? Well, I was thinking about that. I think, first of all, it does involve the same kind of oily asphalt that Kristen like mentioned because that's the best ever. Mm-hmm. Um but no, I was thinking about this, like, and I was more interested in, like, I remember one of, one of like, some trip, maybe I was, like, 23 to San Francisco, where I was imagining myself living there, and I was driving along one of the streets that goes beside Golden Gate Park, and I was like, wow, this is really elegant. What if there were, like, this, like, elegant ledge that went along, like, one of the entrances that I could just skate? Like, I think there was mm-hmm. one, but it wasn't totally skatable, and I was like, I would like that. I would, like... To, I wouldn't be able to do every trick at this thing, but I would like to just do like if, like a, a stylish switch crooked grind and a you know whatever like. Mm-hmm. So I think that I, I don't know how to like be more specific, but I I don't want a spot that I can do everything at. I want a spot that like sort of dictates that these are the few tricks that you can do here. I've always been. I know it's sort of cliche, mm-hmm. but like I love a Bobby Pulio part where. You're like, that's what that, I was like, those tricks are what's supposed to be done at those spots, you know? Yeah. And, and I like spending time at a place and figuring out what tricks go there. And, and, uh, and I think that absolutely has to do for me that's like, I'm much more drawn to cosmopolitan cities and places where there's other shit going on. So like my imaginary ledge at an entrance to Golden Gate Park overlooks the kind of uh, Richmond part of San Francisco. And so you get a glimpse of the bay and Mount, Tam- Mount Tamalpais, and yet you have this sort of verdant uh, eucalyptus and redwoods on the other side. Uh, and yeah, I don't know. Like, so yeah, somewhere between country and city, but very much like there will be pedestrian um, traffic. There'll be bicycles. It'll be, mossy but not wet and hmm. uh you can only do a few tricks on it <laughs> all right so some level of cha- some level of like quirk and or challenge yeah. is important to you yeah quirk for sure absolutely like you're just like oh i guess there's a crack there you can't do that there you know right can't and do- you wouldn't you would this be something you would ever want to alter like do you want a spot where you could be there long enough to like bondo over cracks no. or d- it just stays as is yeah it just stays as is and I, yeah, I was sort of thinking about, I was really brainstorming because I don't really think about what's like would be ideal, but I, everything that I've liked about skating has been like, sort of like, okay, like this one has a thing you can roll off. This thing has a thing where you can try to ollie six inches up to, you know, um, like, and it develops from that. And I think that's honestly what I find to be boring after a while about skate parks is that, um, you can do every. They're they're designed to accommodate all types of skating, mm-hmm. and yeah. sometimes that's fun to do like everything, skate everything. But sometimes it's really nice to just like find a little notch and and understand and explore the surfaces of that notch. I'm a, right. I'm in I'm in a notch stage stage of my life, a nook. More of a cranny man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I want to echo that and say that yeah, I agree that that's why skate parks are boring because as you go into a skate park, the idea is that it was built for you. Yeah. And what's fun and cool about street skating is the discovery of the cork or the the trick that fits it 
And yeah, that is the fun of it because you have to discover that. And anything, I love the feeling of like, you could even do a more basic trick on something, but the fact that you did it on that spot, like that feels cool and special yeah. in a way. Yeah. yeah. I really feel, I mean, yeah. I really feel like certain spots like just have a kind of charge to them that feels exalted, you know? Yeah. And there's just something nice about like skating marble or, or, you know, in front of some kind of like exalted space, like, um, you know, courthouse or something like that, where you're just like, oh, like, you know, the, this thing was around before skateboarding existed. Right. Right, and yet, right. like we're sort of recognizing this latent thing about it, you know, which which I think is where the kind of question about illicitness comes in. Like, is this a, like, hmm. and yeah. you know, because we are imagining here, we could we can have both. We can say like, yeah, this is a thing that we're not supposed to be skating on, and yet in our imaginary ideal, we're just get to skate it forever, right? Like yeah. I'm thinking very, like just to kind of run a kind of counterpoint to everything you guys have said is I'm thinking immediately now about what I think is one of the best spots in the city of Chicago, which is our giant Picasso statue downtown that you can't skate very long. You you yeah. just cannot skate it very long. Out of um, respect for the artist. Well, this is a long, <laughs> long discussion because, you know, actually, in fact, I think Pablo Picasso would want people skateboarding on it because it's indestructible. It's, you know, forged steel that you can't, you literally cannot harm. There's nothing bad you can do to it. Um, but the fact is, is that there's something that is, uh, you know, and everyone who's ever skated a street spot knows this, that part of the energy of the experience is rooted in the fact that you're not supposed to be there. Right. Yeah, and yeah, that of yeah. course leads has led historically to some terrible places, but it's also something that we know we kind of like, like going to a park and getting trapped there all day long. Part of that trap is that like, Oh, we can stay here forever. Like we can go get, send someone to go get drinks and food and we can set up a grill here and we can spend all day here. And while that is a certain kind of wonderful freedom and it is certainly invites new people into skateboarding, what OJ it doesn't do, utopia. it doesn't give <laughs> us anything close to what we all know happens when you go out and skate a park, which is that you're like, all right, how long do I get to be here? What am I going to try to do on here? I've been spending, you know, the last week thinking about coming here. What am I going to do? So yeah. I think there is something idealized about that sort of energy. And I wonder how we can tap into that while also having all this space in the world. I, one of the other things that I sort of is in the background of my thinking about any of this is that the times that I've felt the most connected to a spot or like have really, really like appreciated a spot were also times of just massive transition and upheaval in the rest of my life. Maybe right. most times <laughs> if we're a skateboarder mm -hmm. are times of massive upheaval, upheaval and, and skating transition. But like, mm -hmm. um, I also sort of think that like the spot sort of becomes your home, um, while you're there, you know, like you, you, you are interacting it with, with these, pieces of architecture in the most intimate way imaginable in some ways. And uh, it can hurt you. It can like glorify, embolden you. It can lionize you. It can shame you. And I always think that I'm, I'm more attuned to the sort of charms or like particular qualities of a spot when I'm, when I'm looking for that homeness. Mm -hmm. 
Um, I just wanted to say, me personally, like when you mentioned that sculpture, I just Googled it to look at a photo of it. That looks amazing. Mm -hmm. Personally, like I get really stressed out if I'm skating a spot that I know a security guard is going to come out on a Segway and have a conversation with me. It's very mm -hmm. scary and startling. And skateboarding is like hard enough for me. Add any other elements and I like crumble. <laughs> so <laughs> I I personally love the spots. For a while, there was a spot in Seattle outside the Federal Building that basically was like abandoned and skaters had kind of took it over and it was kind of messed up and it was just kind of abandoned. It was this like, I don't know. I, I personally, I love skating um, like foundation spots or like I said, the asphalt ground lends itself to like a parking lot, like a rock ridge. Um, or for us in Seattle, we have Ravenna curbs. Like um, I love spots like that that just kind of have been sort of taken over by skaters and there's sort of an ownership of it. And it is yeah. a spot where you can kind of kick it there all day. And it's sort of a chill meetup warm up spot that you go and you go to the hotter spots after that. But for me, like my ideal session is kind of that warm up session because that sort of sets the vibe for the rest of the day. So, know. yeah, I just wanted to say that, like for me, I don't I don't get a rush out of the, you know, the hostility or the like you can't skate here. You can only skate for 15 minutes. That just stresses me out. I prefer yeah. to like. Yeah. Like I don't necessarily not I don't necessarily avoid skating those spots, but like that's not like my favorite, I guess. Yeah. Word up. Word I like the more abandoned. Yeah, no, that makes Stuff. a lot of sense. Um, but uh, let me push you then on who's there. Can we get into that? None of these exist in a vacuum, obviously, right? We can't talk about the spot without talking about who else is there or talking about what kind of circumstance we're in. So why don't we why don't we see what happens when we open it up and start talking explicitly about who is there with you on your perfect session? Like, who are the people that are there? Are they people that you've known your whole life? Are they strangers? Are they pros who you've idolized? Are they some mixture of those three along with um, people who are not skateboarding? Like, who are the people when we think about this that populate this particular spot for this particular ideal session? Kebs, do you want to go with this one? Mm -hmm. So who's with you at this, yeah. this spot that you and your crew have taken over for the warm up session for or whatever the like the, the peaceful session. Yeah, I would say instead of naming like specific names or people, I would say there's a certain like energy that I really like skating around. And that energy is I'm working on something. I'm mm -hmm. trying. I'm focused, but I'm not so focused that I got my headphones in and I'm not interacting. Mm -hmm. Right. So you're working on something like you're not just playing the hits. You're pushing yourself. Um, I love being around that energy. And then um, I, I love that energy when the other person kind of watches you, what you're doing, and then yeah. you kind of come back and you maybe have a chit chat about it and then they go, it's not, it's not hyper social where people are like getting into paragraphs. Like sometimes I'm like, bro, I, <laughs> I just put my board down and I'm like, yeah, for sure. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it never gets to that awkward level. Like it's like a little bit of combo or like, oh, sick. You got it, dude. Like no problem. Um, and there's sort of an investment in each other's skating. Like I just... I love that. Like that really yeah. fires me up. Good. And I think that's that's a super, super useful way to come at this question of like who you're actually answering with like how, how you want to engage with them. And I think that's mm. a great way to get at who in this question. Like it's people that you can have that nature of relationship with who are watching, who are stoked on you and what you're trying and you're mutually stoked on them. But you're also not like hey, man, let's really, you know, what's up with your sister? Like, how's that? How's that situation? You know, how are you? Is she, is she better? Um, Can we talk about this when it gets dark? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> when we get kicked out? Right. right. Come on. Uh, Ted Schmitz, what about for you? Uh, similar dynamic? Do you have people in mind? How do you think about the, the crew, the ideal crew? Yeah, it's kind of weird because I have a crew. 
So they're going to feel like shit if I don't name them all one by one. But I'm no, not that's, going that's to. And good. So because I'm mad at them right now. No, <laughs> uh, I, I, I try not to look back at like the time that I was younger. You know, like SNL in high school was the best, you know, kind of have that view. But Arizona really did have quite a bit more energy and kind of fervor to the scene about a decade ago. And I was looking and I was I was thinking about how radical it was and and how kind of great and wholesome it felt. And I realized that the, that there was a lot of good stuff to it, but there were a lot of problems that came with it. And one of them was just that there wasn't uh, a sort of, I guess, diversity of perspectives that came in. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the things that just like bad humor, bad habits kind of got stuck in this kind of, you know, whirlpool or whatever and everything just kind of, it was fun and exciting, but there was no like real, I, I guess the only progress was really maybe with like backsmith turned to backsmith one eighties. Um, <laughs> and so I think that, I think that what's been so exciting as I've moved out of that phase of my life is now my, my sessions will span people from 50 to 22. And yeah. I think having sort of an element of a consistent crew of five or eight people. And then to make sure that there is some kind of, you know, the generation, like if you're, if you're local to an area, like I am like Arizona skateboarding means something to me. And I think it's important to be able to kind of integrate your crew with kind of the broader, you know, multi-generational arc of the scene. And then to also have kind of, younger people but not to the point where there's such a kind of youth divide you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like 14 is weird <laughs> i don't want to skate with a 14 yeah, yeah. year old necessarily yeah. um but you know to have kids who are in college and who are just kind of you know that undergrad year is kind of yeah. excited and figuring things out is having that kind of diversity of like age and and uh a perspective I think is really important on top of just having your rock solid crew. Yeah, man. I want to, I want to just piggyback on that a little bit because you know, the, the, the spot in Chicago that is conveniently right, like basically around the corner from where I live, that is not really a spot, right? It's one of these non spots. And I have a very soft spot in my own heart for <laughs> non spots. Is Are you talking um, about the park with the, where I'm you talking, have the no, bump I'm, over barrier or the parking lot? No, I'm talking about the lot. And I'm oh, talking about the lot and I'm the reason I'm bringing it up is because of what you just said that like there has been this weird thing that's happened this summer where it's just blown up and like you can go yeah. there particularly on a Tuesday night and it is and it is like each session is 100% more diverse and inclusive and multi-generational and uh, just wildly interesting Mm-hmm. than any any session I ever had growing up in my life. Like every single one is like the most rainbow coalition experience that I that compared to what I grew up in. And yeah. it's just wild that this to me now is like the norm that and that includes like uh longboard dancers and roller derby folks and like brand new people who have truly just gotten a skateboard and happen to have been dri- driving by on these two busy streets in this intersection and been like oh this is where people go um and there's something really 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 appealing about it there is also something about it that i sometimes feel like wait this isn't skateboarding as i like it doesn't fit totally into my understanding and so part of what we're sort of doing here is like 
tapping into like, do you want what you've always known? Or is there something exciting about having a new mix of people who you maybe are not always used to? Ted Barrow, who's at your ideal session? Is it five to eight folks like Ted Schmitz is saying? Is it 150 people? What's your, what's, who's? It's by himself. That's my guess. (laughs) Good guess, Kristen. Absolutely is by myself. Is it really? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm like, I think all of us totally delighted that um, there's more people to skate with. And I, you know, am in a really lucky position to wherever I go, there's probably at least someone that's going to say hi and like want to skate, you know, that's, that's awesome. But in my dream sesh, I'm skating by myself because that's what I've always done, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I've, I've, yeah, I'm I'm not, not skating with anyone. It's really me. Yeah. Now, you know, and again, there's not, I don't know if that's narcissistic or it's, it's more just like me being comfortable at a spot is not having anyone else that I have to share the space with. People what can about, pass by, they can see that how cool what I'm doing is, but they're not going right. to understand because they're not <laughs> skaters. So stand I want behind the like, fence and give me props. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like one of the things that Kristen voiced that I think is very similar to what I wanted, like I really like that sort of mutual investment. Like I really love when a friend is trying a trick and I'm trying a different trick and we're both like, oh man, you've got this. Yeah. Um, like, like there's I, something about that that I find really, really, really energizing. Do you, is it that you don't need that or is it that? No, I, I need it. I just, I just ideally, um, I mean, I've, I've been again, like over a quarantine, I've had like two friends that I've skated with more in the last six months that I've skated with anyone in the last like 20 yeah. years, you know? Um, mm-hmm. but I don't know. And in, in my ideal session like i'm really i'm the i'm the only skater there (laughs) i'm the only child and (laughs) i get what i want and everyone sees how brilliant i am yeah Yeah. there's also something that's happening where it's like there's not like i I know that interchange that everybody's talking about um but then you know you also don't have to deal with skate park heroes like me or but there's not like the kind of necessity in the vibe to perform you know it's like kind of I think there's something meditative and kind of important about having your own groove, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I want to echo that. I discovered that through quarantine that I actually really do love skating by myself. Mm -hmm. And I thought initially it was because it was nostalgic for me because fun fact got bullied at the skate park. So I spent like an entire Mm. two years skating by myself in my garage the actual fun fact of that is that that's where I learned a ton of stuff because I just had a box and a rail in my garage and like I didn't like my the skate park that I would go down to didn't even have that. Um, so like there was sort of a silver lining there and I just really loved like I would <laughs> this is before there was selfie camps. I would set up my parents like mini DV camera. I remember the day that I was like, all right, I'm going to try a back tail. First one I did, I like got into and just flew was fully horizontal <laughs> and on top of it. And like, I don't know, just like kind of just, yeah, to Ted's point, not having to like perform for anybody, just be in your own zone. You can do kooky shit, like set up your camera and try something and then watch your clip and no one's going to kind of like judge you or whatever. I don't know. I just, yeah. I, I definitely agree with that. That's probably my second ideal session after my <laughs> first one I just listed. It's just being by myself and trying new shit and not feeling like I got to do it for anybody else but me. Like I'm fully just doing it for myself just for fun and tinkering and fucking around. Yeah. It feels cool. Yeah. I think one thing, one thing I can maybe add to that is that one thing I've realized is that I like being the oldest person at a session <laughs> and we haven't really talked. I mean, we've talked about intergenerational stuff. Um, 
But like, you know, there's a real, I think all of us have experienced it. There's a very real uh, challenging alchemy in terms of like people who are better than us um, always, right? Like I've had experiences where the hometown hero has shown up and I've just like shriveled back into a ball where I've just become super uncomfortable. And I'm like, oh God, this person's here. Like, oh my God, it's this person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, or I've Keyless. had the exact opposite where, yeah, where like the hometown hero shows up and I'm like, fuck yeah, let's skate. Like this guy's here. We're going to, we are all going to be on our best behavior. So like that can be a little complicated, almost totally 100% unanimously across the board. I like being the oldest person there. And there, I don't know if it's because it gives me a kind of excuse. I don't know if it's because it, it is, there's a kind of liberation in it where You're I'm like, the elder oh, statesman. Yeah, like y'all are trying difficult things. I'm the one doing like whatever it is. Um, and 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 I do. I I find comfort in that. Like I find comfort in knowing that like it's not isolation, but I do. It does separate you from whatever the sort of like challenging dynamics of goodness and competition that can exist mm-hmm. at a spot, which I think are necessary for a spot's kind of vitality to have that kind of competition and faux support and real support and faux competition and so on. Mm-hmm. I love being outside of it. And yeah. I love, and, and maybe it's just that the tool I have to be outside of that generally is age where I'm like, eh, it's, you know, I'm like, look at me, switch push. I haven't been able to switch push ever in my life. Look what I can do now. Applaud me. I'm old. So there's something there's something about that sort of freedom. All right, look, I do want to move us forward because I don't want this to be a two-hour show. So I want to I want to see if we can bring in the factor now of kind of what I just said. Like, what is the scene like in this city that you're talking about? Are there rippers all over the place? Is it kind of unique? For you to be as good as you are in this city, is it like a city where pros come through all the time? Like, what is what is the scene like? Is there a central shop? Are there multiple shops? What do you what do you imagine is sort of the ideal kind of culture around this session we're talking about in this ideal version? Ted Barrow, do you want to go first on this one? Sure. I mean, I think I'm, I must be no- nostalgic or something, but I think New York or Par- New York was the best kind of version of the skateboard scene that I ever uh, experienced in that like there was a sort of tangential like it wasn't the center of skateboarding but skateboarding infused everything that I was it overlapped with everything that I was interested in so like the art music fashion people downtown like all sort of were friendly and open and thought skating was cool and skating could take you to all these places and um yeah, so the the scene was was fluid and hybridic, and um, skating skateboarding wasn't out of place in it. You know, skateboarding enhanced enhanced it, but wasn't the cent uh, the cent- central thing. Was there a particular year of New York that you want to point to as like kind of the model for this, like a a region of like before mm. Supreme was Supreme, or like- I don't know. I I no. I mean, I think like. Back then, it was like Supreme was like the coolest thing in in the world if I wanted to admit it. And so like, and part of it was that like it had a connection to skateboarding. Um, but like, I, I would guess like for me, this was around 2002, 2003, where it just sort of seemed like um, that's, I had grown up in a culture where skateboarding was a hindrance to any kind of like, like cultural right. or professional 
aspirations or social aspirations. And all of a sudden, for the first time, although I sort of got a glimpse of it in Paris, for the first time in New York, it was like, I was like, oh, this is actually like, makes, I want to skate more. And yet skateboarding like is leading me to all these other amazing things and people and places. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's great. And like, that is ideal. I haven't really seen... From my experience, granted, my experience in San Francisco is se severely curtailed by the current situation. But from my experience, San Francisco doesn't offer that. I don't remember experiencing that in L.A. in the same way. I don't yeah. really remember experiencing. I mean, I, I didn't wasn't in Copenhagen or Malmö, <laughs> however the fuck we say it, uh, to experience it for that long. You know, but uh, I yeah. I think that serves something that's very special about. Uh, one place I lived, and I think, and 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 again, just to kind of like remind us and our listeners why why this is is maybe useful is that it's 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 much easier it seems like for us to point back at a period when things were better, right? Yeah. It's like it's easy to do that, and the fact is is that the skateboarding landscape is changing around us, and we have no control over it. We have no control over the Olympics. We have no control over the remaster of Tony Hawk's you know, pro skater one and two, we have no control over Supreme, um, and how, how much it's blown up or when the tide is going to turn and people start thinking skateboarding is totally, totally fucking stupid. Like we have no control over that. But what we can say is like w to know what we like, to be able to point to what we like gives us an idea, a, a better idea about who we are potentially. Yeah. Right. Like, and, and so I, you know, I don't, I, I, I said no nostalgia at the beginning of this, but there is a way too that that can be useful, uh, Kristen. What's the scene like in the session that you're talking about? Is it does the city love skaters, or does the city <laughs> have a lot of skaters? What do you imagine as the kind of uh, the 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 scene? Yeah, I'll just say generally, like I want my goal. Now people might not not agree with me, but I would like skateboarding to be seen as benign as like bicycle bicycling and swimming. Yeah. So, like, I don't know if y'all know this, but swimming pools are a huge money pit. They cost so much money. Like, there's no way you can balance the books on a swimming pool. Like, I worked at a YMCA once. And I saw the balance sheet. They just lose money, right? But people agree that swimming, swim lessons, having a pool, seniors, swim dance, whatever they're doing in the pool is important, right? It's right. a public asset. Right. I don't think skateboarding is on that level yet. So not that I want it to be super corporate, but I just want it to be normal. I don't yeah. want it to be like, you're going to ruin my blah, blah, blah. You're going to break my wrist. I would love every citizen to have some type of positive touch point with skateboarding in my fantasy world. So they go, oh, sick. Like those kids are ripping it. Or like, you ever see that sketch with like, is it uh, Jerry Seinfeld and like Chris Rock or something? And they're yeah, just yeah. like sitting like, yeah. oh man, those skateboarder kids, like they're going to be somebody. Cause like, you see how many times they fall and they get back up. Haha. <laughs> like they look at it as like a positive, cool thing. Right. It's, it's like, oh, Mark plays basketball and Sally's a skater. Cool. Like it's just normal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's not necessarily seen as a super positive, like awesome thing, you know, and super corporate. It's more just like, oh yeah, they just chose to do that. That's what they're up to. Um, it's not inherently crazy or dangerous or punk rock or anything. It's just like yeah. this thing some people choose to do. Um, so that's kind of the vibe of the city, I guess. But as far as like the scene, one thing that I think would be so sick is if the scene was so tight-knit and interconnected that everybody knew where everybody was at in terms of, like, their ability mm -hmm. level. Because I think this is what makes it fun when you're having a skate with, like, your best, like, sesh like your best uh, friends. 
in a session is they know that, oh, you've been working on backside heels. So if you land a backside heel, that's something they're going to be like, oh, hell yeah, you did that. That's tight. Good good for you, right? They're the worst thing someone can do is cheer for a kickflip that I do. Because right. I'm like, bro, I've been able to kickflip for 20 years. You just clapped at me because you looked at my body and you looked at my kickflip and you go, oh, that was impressive to me, mm-hmm. oh, right? Oh, it's not hey. impressive to me, the skater. Therefore, your clap is like, disrespectful right Mm -hmm. so my ideal session and scene is where everybody knows where everybody's at so there's no necessarily hierarchy of ability level like oh so and so is like so fucking sick it's like everyone is praised for like wherever they were to wherever they're at they're just praised for their effort and their growth and not based on oh you kickflip back tail and so and so can only back tail like it's like not this competitive thing it's where everyone's seen as an individual and celebrated for their personal success which which is what you just described is totally totally beautiful and and it sounds magical, right? It sounds like like my immediate thought is like, oh God, how do we develop the technology? Like, how do we how do we each you know? And the, the, Andrew you could Get well, on that it. could be part that could be part of our you know our social media profile is like here's what kind of skater this person is. Here are their comfortable tricks. Here's here is the one weird trick they can do that no one else can do that they will get you in a game of skate, but they're not going to be super stoked on. Like, oh, this is your varial heel friend, or like, oh, this is like your whomever friend. And but then I realize, like, as soon as I think that, I realize, like, oh, well, that's exactly what like a, a skate crew has like me and the yep. old the old folks who meet on weekend mornings to go skate like w- i know what nate can do i know what tim piggott can do so when tim piggott starts being able to do slappy hurricanes i know that that's a big fucking deal and i get hyped for him and i know that nick is coming back from injury so i'm like oh shit nick's kick flipping his ankle is let you know like yeah. i know all that stuff so what we're talking about is yeah. maybe a situation where everyone in the city approximates something like a really tight knit crew which is exactly the idea of utopia that i would hope we would get at ted schmitz what about you man what's what's your ideal i i, I think that the way the discussion is going i think that there there needs to maybe be a, a a tangent or or a bonus situation which is about the topic of illicitness and um kind of broadening uh the skate world because i've because i've i think i've gone through a a kind of crisis with that idea um as of recently and i'm you mean i'm sorry just to interrupt you mean the one that kristen said about like like swimming like yeah. skateboarding becoming and, this kind of pro-social gotcha okay well the uh, and and so I don't want to get too into it, but one of the things that I'm I'm worried about with um, the sort of taming of skating is that I've I've started to feel a little a, a little as though maybe I'm being kind of coerced into reinforcing some status quo dynamics, but right. um, that has mostly to do with skate parks, not with you know everybody being supportive and and skating right. being accepted broadly, um, but. My city, this is sep- this is getting back to your point. My city has so much goddamn vegan food, skatably close to the spots. Right. Uh, that is like you know, obviously we sign up for this life, but it's just the biggest fucking. Op- it's the worst impediment, you know. Like yeah. everybody skating, and then it's like, oh shit, and then the pizza place is on the way to the spot, and be like. Awesome. French fry lunch again. So to have some sort of like ample uh, dope foodness is like, I think, pretty essential. New York is really good for that because there's like falafel everywhere. 
Yeah. Um, and then like a sort of atmosphere about not being super precious about property, you know, yeah. recognizing that there's human bodies and concrete stuffs and the concrete stuffs is kind of not, not the, it's not as valuable as maybe we think. Um, All right. So, so you're talking about like uh, the city's approach to skateboarding is going to be one that's like this sort of, I mean, I always think like of the MacBook. ethos of the citizenry. Yeah. 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 And a uh, few guns, Paris sidewalk. That's it. Man, that's a good checklist. Close vegan food, non-precious about their infrastructure in terms of ledges. Uh, not a lot of guns and Paris's sidewalks. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I remember Paris, they're, they're, Paris's yeah. sidewalks have that asphalt. Yeah, that and I, as you guys were saying it, like kind of like that oily slick asphalt. I was like, oh yeah, I like that. I hate our asphalt out here. But the thing that I noticed um, when I, I I went to Paris for like four days when I was in a completely different life. It might just be a dream. But there was it was kind of bumpy, but it wasn't cracked up. Like it was just kind of it had like kind of like this smooth but gripped kind of nice yeah. roll to it i don't know how to describe it but i remember that was one of the first times in my life where i had really tuned into ground yeah mm. actually i think maybe paris might just be the s- solution for all of our skate problems <laughs> <For> this, yeah <laughs> so when when i think of the the city itself now and we're, we're going to wrap this up by talking about the city um and and i think few guns is a, is a is a real good one um Again, I, it's funny because I find myself coming back to this sort of um, interplay or like bouncing back and forth, this dialectic between like we talked about um, illicitness and how approved how 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 approved skateboarding is, mm-hmm. right? Is it sort of frowned upon, or is this you're welcome any time of day, twenty four hours, come and skateboard here? We love to have you. Here's snacks. Um, which is a similar kind of bouncing between as like this spot is sort of difficult and quirky and you've got to know it, or this is totally perfect. The ledge is completely perfect. The ground is completely perfect, right? We've got, we've kind of found a couple of these um, back and forth sort of pressures for me in terms of a city, it has to do with, um, I think the word I'm going to use isn't the right one, but it's sort of like safety. Um, there is a way that being in an urban center for me doesn't always feel completely safe. And now safe is, is obviously a completely subjective term. And obviously I am charged by all sorts of safeties by being male and being white. Um, and so for me, there's something about being in a city that gives me a taste of an experience that I didn't grow up with. And it's partially about energy and it's partially about population density, but it, part of it is that it introduces me to a level of a world going on and presenting a sort of risk uh, or not threat, but it, it, it feels like New York does. It feels like it doesn't care about me, right? And I've had this feeling elsewhere. And like, if I've gone to the Everglades, my most memorable feeling about being in the Everglades was like, this place will kill you. This place does not care that you, you know, what your SAT scores were. This place does not care what kind of clothing you're wearing. It will destroy you. It will murder you. And there's something, something about that, that like the city doesn't care about you that I find energizing. Um, 
Yeah. But again, that's that's based on certain privileges. It's based on certain kind of, you know, facts about who I am as a person and how I move through the world. What are your ideal feelings for a city, Kristen and Ted Barrow, as we wrap this up? Like, do you do you want it? Does it is it a, is it a big urban structure with tall buildings with public transportation that you can move around quickly? Or is it something closer to where you live, Chris, in, in Seattle with water and mountains and trees mixed in with the city? What is your ideal city look like? Ted, do you want to go first? Uh, yeah, it's French. that's about it no um and i just i i do like urban density especially Mm -hmm. in skateboarding and i like history and i like beauty (laughs) you know so i like i like things where they've actually given some thought to like the content of the of the space being the quality of the space being shared and they Mm -hmm. are willing to share that space and i do often find that in european places and i subjectively respond to the way that certain kind of French cities look. I think that kind of has to do with the fact that these cities have been destroyed. Some parts of them have been so destroyed and some parts have been preserved that people sort of see the bigger picture. Um, So yeah, mine's as far as a skate city, it's one where I can sort of skate to the museum and then, and then walk out of the city and into the darkness at the end of the day. Oh yeah. Does that answer the question or is that stupid? No, I think that's it. I think that's key. I mean, it speaks to a certain level of age and, and cultural cachet and yeah. that there is a museum there and that also, you know, it doesn't just sprawl forever, that at some point the city ends and turns itself over into something else. Um, Kristen, you got anything to add for yours? Yeah. I mean, I was kind of reflecting, like I was thinking about some of the most, like the things that are unsafe that I interact with in terms of like the city. And I think like usually it's like cars going by yeah. or cyclists like uh where i skate outside my house is actually like a bike path and so oftentimes there's like a squad of like the tour de france basically like (laughs) coming through um (laughs) there's always cars and trucks and honestly i find it pretty annoying (laughs) (laughs) to be honest like it doesn't add an element of like spice or excitement for me i guess and like (laughs) there's definitely been times where i've been skating and like i don't know there's sort of a hot spot downtown seattle called westlake which rap just got knobbed but we got a we got to work on that Seattle. We'll denob that baby. But um, yeah, so unfortunately that got knobbed. But that spot's kind of gnarly because there's just like lots of different people. Um, there's folks experiencing ho- homelessness and folks that are on drugs. There's folks with shopping bags. There's cars. There's cops. It's just like chaos. I don't thrive in that. Um, I guess my ideal cityscape would be kind of like an urban or sorry, like an urban industrial area. That's kind of a mixed neighborhood. It's kind of similar to like where I live now, I guess, but like just without the pollution yeah. um, and huge trucks. So it's it's <laughs> kind of abandoned, but it's being taken back by nature and community. And there's like um, a sense of like reclaiming like a space that's kind of been like thrown out and nobody cares about it anymore. And skateboarders are part of like making it beautiful and vibrant again. Yeah. Hell yeah. Also dry and 80 degrees. Okay. <laughs> see i'm gonna say hoodie weather is like perfect you're a sick person Weird, you're dude. A i sick hate person. pit sweat in a hoodie i can't do it oh dude hoodies, no hoodies it um look all right we we have we have gone on a a strange and winding journey this evening i appreciate all of you for um sharing what what we don't often do right i mean again the entire purpose of this is that it is very very hard to work toward a place of 
health and progress for yourself without being able to name what that destination might look like um, and lacking the imagination and the creativity to imagine that sort of utopia for yourself um, is going to end up with all of us living our status quo forever. Uh, so thank you uh, to you three, to Ted and Ted and to Kristen. You guys are wonderful. This is thank exactly you, why I love you. Um, love you. The trick challenge for this week is it front side, nose side? Frontal nasals. Frontal nasals. Regular. Regular footed. Yeah. Do them to fakie. Do them you know, to regs. Do them long. Kick flip into them. Nolly into them if you want. But really, the key here is a front side, nose slide. And it's board has to be level, Ted Schmitz, or it doesn't fucking count. That's what I was going to say. You know, I'm not here to shame anybody's... Well, I am here to shame quite a few of you. But <laughs> there's... A select few. There's... You know, you can do the front nose to fakie. We all know that it's the inferior, though. And yeah, just whatever, you know, if you have an extra 30 minutes, spend it on our show's stupid challenge to do it to regular. <laughs> yeah, do it to regular. Right, there yeah. it is. It's got to be a regular. Front nose just give to the reg. regular a fucking shot. Sure. I really think the front nose fakie looks sick. It does Wait, more and but, more, I think. But it somehow, cool. it's some, it somehow. To, yeah, it's you've got to come out to regular first before the front nose to fakie looks cool. Like I've seen, you know, like you've got to dip into it and stand yeah, you, on it. You earn it. True. Yeah. Yeah, you earn it. Yeah. You got to earn it. I just love a trick that's like so beautifully works in a line. True. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I just think nice like a, a front nose fakie right always gets me. God. Real stoked. They get droopy sometimes. My solidarity with all the droopy nosers out there, but we're going to get them good. Yeah. Hell yeah. Cool. Uh, thanks, y'all. Thanks, Kyle. Well done. Bye. Was well fun. done. Bye. Thank you to everyone for listening. Our intro music was by the band Roar. You can find more of their music on any of the streaming apps. And our credits music is by the wonderful, the talented, the groovy Alana Bryan, I-L-A-N-A dot B-R-Y-N-E on Instagram or naivetracks.bandcamp.com. And as always, logos and the graphic design for the show is by Michael Warfel at Warfel. Hi, um, do you guys not have the seven layer burrito anymore? We do not. Okay, and then, I I'm sorry, uh, this one might be annoying. Do you, do you have potatoes to put in the burritos? No, we do not. Our potatoes stop at 11 o'clock. Oh man, okay. That's okay. Alright. Um, could I get a bean burrito with no cheese and could i get a soft taco with uh black beans instead of meat and no cheese as well anything else sir yeah could i get um two hard tacos for sean hannafin sure anything else and one crunchwrap supreme for sean doyle with no sour cream and extra nacho cheese
else? Yeah. For Lars Garvey Lang Peterson, can I just get like the biggest tortilla that you have? Sure. Anything else? Neil Shoemaker will have four bean burritos. Sure. Anything else? And can I get the triple air nachos for Lars Garvey Lang Peterson? Sure. Anything else? Can I get a cheesy gordita crunch for Brian Higgins? Sure. Anything else? And Stone Friesen would like the Baja Blast, like, icy slushy thing. Sure. Anything else? And for Evan Cunningham, can I get chips? Like, just chips? Sure. Anything else? Terrence, what do you want? Terrence, Dylan, Rooney will just have one soft taco, but instead of meat, can you just do more cheese? Like, not the nacho cheese, but just, like, shredded cheese? Sure. Anything else? Like, just stuffed with shredded cheese. Actually, can I get no tortilla? Can I just get wrapper, cheese, lettuce, and then cheese? Sure. Anything else? For Luke Whitford, I'm just going to have, like, as many straws as you can have. He, like, went to Starbucks and he couldn't get a straw. Can I get, like, 40 straws? Sure. Anything else? Cameron Jimmo will also just want two hard tacos, just as plain as they come. But like, can you leave them on the counter for a little? Like, can you pack those first so that they get like kind of steamy and soggy? So it's like crunchy on the top. And then like when you eat the bottom, it's like kind of soggy, you know? Sure. Anything else? Betsy Gordon will have like one of those party boxes of soft tacos. Just like, she can just like throw them out to her family and coworkers. Like, and that would be awesome. Sure. Anything else? A medium Baja Blast. Sure. Anything else? And a cinnamon twists. Sure. Is that complete your order? Yeah, that's it. You need hot bar mild Diablo sauce in this? Yeah, could I get the like a couple of the hot and one of the mild? Sure. Thank you. Hi. Hello, man. Hi, how you doing? Six fifty six. Ah, thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, you too. Live Moss, ProFlow. Live Moss. I like shiny things, but I'd marry you with paper rings. Uh -huh. That's right, darling.